Hey, Generation Church, we welcome you and invite you to encounter Jesus with us. We believe that through him, we will encounter love and discover our purpose. So take a seat, lean in, and let this message fortify your faith. I'm continuing on the series, and I hope you've been enjoying it, uh, on the gifts of the Spirit. And, um, and a couple weeks ago, I started out with, I took those nine gifts of the Spirit, I took the first three, which were the revelation gifts. Um, last week, we did the power gifts, which um, are incredible in and of themselves. And then this week, we're, we're going to be talking about the vocal gifts. And that is interpretation, uh, the gift of tongues, interpretation, and prophecy. And... Honestly, coming into this, this message today, um, I'm aware of the fact that, you know, um, the gifts of tongue, interpretation, and prophecy um, can be a little bit confusing for some. And it can be a little bit like, what's that all about, you know, tongues, interpretation? But the fact is, is that these are gifts that the Holy Spirit has given the body of Christ for a purpose. And, and the gifts are to be used. And, and the reality is, that, has anybody ever had a gift at Christmas that you got and, and you, you never really did anything with it? Yeah. You're like, well, that's a nice gift. Put it, put it aside, put it over there in the corner. Well, these are gifts that are given to us. And we have a choice if we're going to use them. We're going to have a choice if we're going to accept them and not despise them. We have a choice if we want to exercise them because the gifts are for the very purpose for the common good, everybody. And in that, the gifts are also are to bring edification, we're to edify each other and build up one another and encourage one another. And, and I, I can remember, I, was, um, I went to a, a Billy Graham crusade. Uh, Billy Graham, not crusade, it was a missions conference in, um, in Illinois at, at Wheaton College. And I'll never forget this. I mean, they, he, Billy Graham was there and a lot of other wonderful speakers. And so I was so inspired. I got, I think I got 25 books on going on the mission field. So I had like 25 books of being a missionary. And I was determined. It was really, it was like my second year in college. I dropped out. I thought, I'm done. I'm out of here. I'm <laughs> hasta la vista, baby. I'm out of this college thing. I'm going to Africa. And so I was determined I was to go to Africa, and I was going to be a missionary there. And, um, and I was talking to a friend one day. I was sharing with him. I was all excited about it. I was making my plans, you know, going to Africa. And um, he said, you know, I have a very dear friend. She's kind of like a mother to me, and she's very sweet and kind, but she has a real gift in, in, in prophecy, and I said, really? I'd, I'd never heard of that. I mean, what's that all about, you know? And he said, you know, what, what I do is that I just give her, I'll just give her your name, 
And, and if, if you want me to, I'll give her your name and, and I'll ask her to, to pray about this whole situation of you going to Africa to be a missionary. And, and so um, I said, okay, that sounds, that sounds different, but yeah, let's do it. Okay. So a couple weeks go by and I get a letter in the mail. It is from this lady. And this lady had, um, she had spoken, um, she, she sought the Lord on my behalf, and she wrote this, and I'll never forget it. I, I used to carry it with me in my Bible, but I don't have it anymore. She said that um, the campus of many today is as dark as the forest of Africa. I have called you to finish the course at the university. She didn't know me from a hill of beans. That the campus of many today is as dark as the forest of Africa. I want you to stay the course where you are. And I, I just I read that and I went, my, my, my. And, and I thought, you know, and I, I, I received that word and I meditated upon it and I, 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 I judged it. I said, Lord, is this you? And finally, the Lord witnessed to my spirit that I was really um, trying to just get out of the situation that I was in on campus and, and really just wanted to go do something that felt exciting and good and I could serve the Lord but it wasn't his plan for me. So the Lord was able to give me a little course correction there and was able to speak to me when I really needed some help on exactly what the Lord was saying. She was operating in a gift you know, of prof- prophecy and also a word of wisdom because there's a directional aspect in it. And so in that, there are gifts that, that God gives the body, but they're gifts for the very purpose to bring edification. But, but the reality is, if you don't understand it, don't just despise it just because you can't figure it out. You've got to welcome it because it's a gift. And gifts are to be used so that we can all be built up. But the reality is, guess what? We will stand before the Lord one day and guess what we're judged by? how we use the gifts. And, and the reality is, is that, you know, he'll put a, la- he'll put a, a, a match to, to what, what you have produced in the, in the exercising the gifts, and that which is wood, hay, and stubble will be burned up, and that which is of him will remain, and that's what we get our reward from. So the reality is, whether you like it or not, if you don't want to use them, that's fine. But the reality is, is that one day you're going to stand before him and he's going to judge you. How did you use the gifts I gave you? So it's kind of like a catch 22, isn't it? And, and so in that, it's important that we at least give uh, honor these glorious gifts that the Holy Spirit has given us so that the church might be edified and built up that we might receive a glorious reward, and then it's all going to be for the common good of everybody. And so 
and, and gifts are not to be used in a way of, of dominance or authority or, or bringing um, manipulation. You know, there's a lot of different things that happen with the gifts. And I hope at the end of this that when I share with you is that the Holy Spirit is giving you freedom to judge whether the word that was given to you prophetically, through tongues or interpretation, he's giving you permission to allow him to confirm it and to allow him to bear witness in your spirit that the word that he has spoken to you is of him. Because if we receive everything that comes our way, some of the things that are, you know, we see in a glass dimly. We see things from a perspective that are dimly. So, you know, there are times when we exercise in the gifts, we don't always hit the mark. We don't always maybe hit, hit it 100%. But that doesn't mean because you don't hit it 100% that you can't keep trying. Because this is to be in some ways a classroom where we're to step out and utilize the gifts of the Spirit so that we can encourage, edify, and build up one another. So in that, we've got to realize that if you know that you have permission to measure it, to weigh it, to judge it, okay, is that from you, Lord? And if it's not, you don't get all upset. You don't get offended if it doesn't work out. You know, it's kind of like, you know, when we receive a word from somebody, we're thinking, well, that has got to be God. This person just said it. Well, there's a good chance. I mean, it could be the Lord. But what if it's not? How you respond to that is going to be paramount if you're going to continue on and being um, offense-free. We are not to get offended in anything. Offense is a snare. When we get offended or upset, I can't believe that person just told me that. You know, and in that, you know, we can really, we can be shipwrecked. And I know people in the body of Christ, especially in the charismatic church, that were given prophetic words or or we're giving, there was a, a, a tongue and interpretation. And because it didn't work out, they are shipwrecked. And I know people in the body of Christ, they're like, been there, done that, got my t-shirt. No, thank you. I don't want any more. But the scripture says, don't despise prophecy. Don't despise it. Although maybe it didn't hit the mark on that one moment. Don't despise it. Don't forsake it. Don't cast it away. We've got to realize, you know, we're all frail. We all don't hit the mark sometimes. I mean, I know Carolyn hits it about 100% of the time, but, you know, <laughs> there are some people, we just, we just don't get it. You know, we just don't hit it just right. Let me just share it with you this way. When the Lord spoke to me about coming up here to Asheville, North Carolina, and the reason she's not here right now, she's at home getting the soup ready for everybody and the bread, the warm bread. Mm. So, uh, but when I, I got a word from the Lord, 
And the Lord spoke to me that I've called you to plant church in Asheville, North Carolina. He said, I've called you to Asheville because there's many sheep without a shepherd. And he said, and I will take care of your family. He said, just love my sheep. And he said, I do not want you to fight the giants in the land. Who knows there's giants in Asheville? He said, I don't want you to fight the giants in the land. He said, love my sheep. And I got that word, and I wrote it out, and I gave it to Eliza. We were having the time of our life in ministry in Asheville, North, I mean, in, in Atlanta, Georgia. We were serving. I mean, we had a ministry that was so exciting. Families were coming together and worshiping, and it was an exciting time. And I gave her this word, and she's like, hmm, that can't be God. But she didn't say it that way. But see, it, it troubled her. Let me just say that. It troubled her. Because she was in a season of her life where she had everything she wanted. And so in that, I said, honey, listen. I have this word that I feel the Lord gave me, but we need to test it. We need to judge it. We need to measure it. And if this is the Lord, he will confirm it. Several months went by, and time and time again, the Lord began to confirm the word to her, and finally she says, you know what? It's God. It is the Lord. And I, I'm willing to go to the mountains of Asheville, North Carolina, and start a church out of our living room, and, um, and leave, you know, when you leave a hundred families that got children all your age, and, and, and we come to the mountains and live in Weaverville, North Carolina, where our neighbors were cows, you know? I mean, and it's like, you know, it was a whole different thing. But it was important that I gave her the opportunity to measure it, to judge it, to discern it. Is this the Lord or not? And I want to just say that I think that because of the... Um, carnality and because of just our the fleshly aspects in the church people have gotten so hurt and, it, and, and some people you know think what well, these things it's just weird the gift of tongues it's just weird well it's all about perspective if if the tongue is being spoken by god in a language maybe you don't understand and there's somebody that interprets it in English language that you do understand exactly what's being said. It's actually for you to be edified and to be built up and to not despise it. So as we approach these gifts, um, it's kind of like I'm trying to approach a topic with landmines all around it, you know? And, and I, I, I hope you guys will just kind of walk with me here um, as we go through it. So... Are you guys with me? Yes. All right. Okay. So I'm going to start talking about the gift that many people find difficult to understand, which is the gift of tongues. And we need to bear in mind, um, in the New Testament, when it talks about tongues, it is also meant language. So you can call it the gift of tongues, or you can call it the gift of languages. Okay? So that's another understanding of it. 
So I want to look at just some general principles just about the tongue and to understand some of the problems. The tongue is the problem child in the body of Christ. Fifty percent of the problems in the lives of the body of Christ happen with the tongue. And, and James, James 3.8 says, but no one can tame the tongue. So no one can fully control your tongue. Has anyone ever had foot and mouth syndrome where it just, I don't know how it happened, but you just put your foot in your mouth by what you said? All right. There's been many things I've said over the years, and it comes out of my mouth, and I'm like, ah, can, can, I, can I grab it and put it back in? Oh, I wish I hadn't said that. Oh, my gosh. You know, but the, the tongue is, is really what it's used for. I, I love what David says about the tongue. He said, David calls the tongue my glory. Isn't that interesting? And why does he call it his glory? Well, the answer is that the supreme purpose of the human tongue is to glorify God. Okay? So in that, life and death is in the power of the tongue. So consequently, every use of the tongue that does not glorify God is a misuse. Okay? So the tongue... Is, is, is so powerful. So I doubt none of you have had that problem, right? Where you misused the tongue. Where you wish you hadn't said something. Or, wow, that didn't really edify that person. <laughs> didn't build them up that well. Um, Romans 6.13 says this. This is why we need the Holy Spirit to grab hold of your tongue and use it to glorify God. We need to submit our tongue, and it says in Scripture, the members uh, of the body. Romans 6, 13 says this, but present yourselves to God as those alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. So basically, we're to submit our tongue unto the Lord that we glorify him with our tongue and magnify Jesus. So in other words, we're to offer just all of our physical members unto God for righteousness. Everything that we are. Because if we don't submit it, um, there's a good chance you're not going to be able to control it. Because it says, who can tame the tongue? Who can control the tongue? You can't. It's a runaway train. I don't know why it is, but our tongue can really get us in trouble. Amen. I mean, so the first actual instance of speaking in tongues that was recorded that took place was the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit descended upon all those believers that were, were, were in the upper room and were filled with the Holy Spirit, and the, the first immediate result was that they began to speak with other tongues or other languages, okay? And as the Spirit gave them to speak. Now, what is fascinating about this, Pentecost is one of the 
traveling feast. There's three traveling feasts. And Pentecost is one where people from all over the world will come to Jerusalem. So you would have every nation there, every nation, all these different tongues. And what happened is that what happened as the Spirit came upon the, the people in the upper room, they began to speak in the languages of all the world. And all the people there were like, he's talking in my language. What is he saying? He's glorifying God. What God was doing was that he was preparing the hearts of all the people to receive Jesus as Lord and Savior. And what happened a week after that, when Peter gets up and preaches a fiery sermon, all those people that heard their God being glorified in their language, guess what? They all came to the Lord. So the language was given for unbelievers. And that's another use of languages. Is that, Can you imagine being in a crowd of people and there's some people there, you know, India and Pakistan and all of these nations. And there's some tongues that are given. But, and you're thinking, well, that's a different kind of tongue. But it's actually the language of an unbeliever. And it's speaking to them about Jesus. And they come to know the Lord. That's what happened. So, 1 Corinthians 12.10 says this. Paul refers in that... Uh, in verse 10, when it talks about all the gifts, 1 Corinthians 12 talks about all the different gifts, like, like word of wisdom, word of knowledge, and, and all that, faith. And then it says, to another various kinds of tongues. So I understand kinds to mean different uses of the purpose of the tongue, different kinds of uses of the purpose of the tongue. So I'm going to mention two specific purposes of, of tongues, the gift of tongues. The first use, which I believe is the primary and basic, is for direct personal communion with God. Is that not incredible? That you're able with your heart, your spirit man, your spirit man has the Holy Spirit united with your spirit, and your spirit man, the Holy Spirit, begins to speak through you in a language that you don't know unto God. And it's a way for you to have communion with Him, to relate with Him spirit to spirit. Your, your spirit man comes alive, and it says that you build up your most holy, you build up your most holy faith by praying in the Spirit. And you, you become strengthened has anyone had your, you feel like your spirit on the inside is just kind of like shriveling up or you feel like you're just, you're sinking on the inside? Well, I mean, Paul says, I pray that you be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner man. Why? So that Christ may dwell in your heart through faith. So the Holy Spirit in you prays unto God in an unknown language and you don't need to know what you're saying. You're having communion with God. And, and your spirit man is ministering unto him, and you're building yourself up. And, and you know, it's also at times that when we're, when we're praying in the spirit, we're also, we're, we're speaking mysteries. It says that we're speaking mysteries that we don't even know about unto God. And in that, your spirit man comes alive. And I'm going to tell you something, 
There are times in the natural mind when I have somebody comes to me and I have no clue how to pray for. I have no, I don't even know how to pray for that person. And what I'll do a lot of times is I start praying in the Spirit. The person might not even know it, but I'm praying in the Spirit, and then all of a sudden, I get the revelation in my mind. Aha! Now I know how to pray with my natural mind. My Spirit first gave me witness or helped me understand what's going on, and then I'm able to give language to it from my mind. So, it says in 1 Corinthians um, 14, uh, 14, 1 Corinthians 14, verse 2, for one who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God. For no one understands, but in his spirit, he speaks mysteries. Do you see that? See, it's very clear. When one speaks in an unknown tongue, one is not speaking to men, you're speaking to God. You're, you're not doing it for everybody else, you're doing it for him. And in that, um, you're speaking even mysteries. And, and then he goes on a couple of verses later on in verse 4. But one who speaks in a tongue edifies himself. You build up yourself. It, it's strengthening you in yourself, your spirit man. So we don't, we don't know intellectually understand what we're doing. But when we're speaking to God in a tongue... We're speaking mysteries, and we're building ourselves up spiritually. Does that, you understand that? Okay. Paul goes on again in 1 Corinthians 14, verses 14 through 15. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays. But, if, but my mind is unfruitful. So what's the outcome? I will, pray with, I will pray with the spirit, and I will pray with my mind also. I will sing with the Spirit, and I will sing with my mind also. Paul indicates that there's more than one way of praying. There's one way of praying with the Spirit when we, do, when we don't know with our mind what we're saying. And then there's another way of praying with our mind when our mind is fully aware of what we're saying. So your mind can actually be inspired by the Holy Spirit knowing what to pray. So, but Paul's saying both are legitimate. Both are legitimate ways to be praying. Praying in the Spirit, I shall pray with my mind also. The second use, or the second kind of tongues, is when an utterance is given out in a public assembly, in an unknown tongue. And it's followed by the interpretation in a known tongue. When that happens, the combined use of the tongues and the interpretation is equivalent to the exercise of prophecy. You're basically speaking the word of the Lord at that moment. So I want to talk about how about the gift that goes directly with the gift of tongues. And it's the gift of interpretation of tongues. So by simple logic, there can be no need of a gift of interpretation if it's not been preceded by a gift of tongues. You got to have both. You can't have just one. So, so let me first define interpretation from a, a simple perspective. Interpretation is the ability supernaturally given by the Holy Spirit to present in a known language the meaning of something 
that has previously been given out in an unknown language. So, a person who brings the interpretation may be the same person. Because he also, it says in Scripture that you might interpret. But also, it can be another person who gives the interpretation. So the possibility is that the one who gave the tongue can interpret. Or if the one who gives the tongue, there's somebody else in the room that has the gift of interpretation and gives it. And so essentially, the purpose of the interpretation of tongues um, is, is really the, the, it's defined the same as prophecy, okay? It's like giving away. So Paul says this in 1 Corinthians 14, verse 4. One who speaks in a tongue edifies himself, but the one who prophesies edifies the church. Now, I wish that you all spoke in tongues, but even more that you would prophesy. And greater is one who prophesies than one who speaks in tongues, unless he interprets so that the church may receive edifying. So you see there, prophecy is greater than the tongue, but if there is an unknown tongue and there's an interpretation, it's as if you're, you're getting a prophecy from God through that, um, through that coupling of the two gifts. So, but the test of the use of the gifts is edification. You've got to understand, I don't know about you, I need edification every single day. It is very difficult to get stressed, you know, worried, challenged, frustrated, all those things. I need to be edified, and I know you need to be edified. And that's why the gifts are to be used to edify each other. So speaking in an unknown tongue edifies the one who speaks and and not anybody else. But when it's a prophesying, it's it's interpreting the tongue. Um, Let me say it this way. If you're speaking an unknown tongue to yourself, you're being edified. But the other everybody else is not. But if, if a tongue comes forth and there's an interpretation, then it edifies the greater, the common good, everybody. And, and really the reason is for everybody to be built up in their most holy faith. So when a tongue is followed by interpretation, then the meaning of the tongue is communicated to the people who can hear and understand. As a result, it's the same effect as, of, as if we were prophesying. So, um, so then let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 12. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 12. Paul goes on to say this. So also you, since you are zealous of spiritual gifts. Are you zealous for spiritual gifts? I, I mean, that's just a question. Are, are you passionate about discovering and understanding Spiritual gifts. Seek to abound for the edification of the church. Notice that the purpose for the gifts is edification. Then he goes on to say in verse 13, Therefore, let one who speaks in a tongue pray that he may interpret. Now, why should he pray that? Because 
He's desiring to edify the body, not himself. This is not about us getting a chip on our shoulder. Wow, you know, John's really getting pretty spiritual there. You know, he's kind of like giving some hum, humdingers in the church, and everybody's thinking he's pretty much the best thing since sliced pineapple, what is it, apple pie and Chevrolet. You know, I mean, the reality is, is that we've got to realize that the gifts are not really for us, they're for everyone else. And, and you know, you might say, well, you know, it, that's kind of strange. It's kind of strange. Unknown tongue, interpretation. But the reality is, is that there's some really practical aspects that we need to embrace in understanding the gifts. And first of all, if God first gives an utterance of an unknown tongue and, and another, the interpretation, what he's doing there is he's promoting interdependence. Do you understand when somebody has a gift and an unknown tongue and then somebody else has the interpretation, it's really showing how much we need each other. I mean, if I gave a tongue to the body of Christ, I would be hoping if I didn't get the interpretation. There's somebody out there that's got the gift of interpretation. And, and you need that person. You're like, come on, Johnny, where are you? <laughs> you know? You know, I've been in a, I've been, I've been in a, in a, in a big room, and there was a tongue given, and there was about, I felt like forever, but, you know, I'm sure two, three minutes of silence, and then finally someone gave the interpretation. I'm like, whoo, boy, he got out, <laughs> you know. But, but we need each other. So Paul speaking about the gifts in 1 Corinthians 12. He goes on to say, speak about the body and its members, and the one main point for for all of this is that the church be built up. And that's the final result or the end reason for the gifts. That we be built up and encouraged. And in that, Paul goes on to say about speaking in tongues in 1 Corinthians 14, verse 27. If anyone speaks in a tongue, it should be by two or at the most three and each in turn, and let one interpret. But if there is no interpreter, let him keep silent in the church, and let him speak to himself and to God. So if there is a public unknown tongue, and there's no interpretation, you know what we do? What I would do? You know, I would say, you know what, Rich, I appreciate you stepping out and giving that unknown tongue. And I admire that. Um, but there was no interpretation, so we're just going to put that one on the shelf, and we're going to wait for the next one. And we're going to encourage one another. Although, instead of saying, well, that can't be God. You know, it's like, no. I mean, everyone needs to be given more credit because 
Number one, when you step out in a gift, I mean, you're stepping out in unknown chartered waters. And you're, you need an opportunity to grow in the gift and exercise the gift. And maybe you don't hit the mark. Well, you know what? We don't need to be shaming anybody. We need to be encouraging one another. Keep, keep trying. You know, when I, when I played Little League Baseball, when I first started out, you know, I didn't hit the ball that well. But, boy, I didn't give up. I kept swinging that bat until I could learn how to get my batting average up over about 150 to maybe close to, you know, 350. But the reality is, is that I kept trying, I kept swinging. So we need to keep swinging. So I want to talk now just about um, the gift of prophecy. And, um, and, this is the, the ability granted by the Holy Spirit to a believer to speak forth words that proceed from God that do not come from a believer's understanding, education, or background. It is you're getting a word that you have no reasoning to understand. You did not get an understanding of this because you went to four years of college. This is something that is given to you by God, and you're able to, to speak it forth. So prophecy is the ability granted supernaturally by the Holy Spirit to speak forth the words from God to believers and unbelievers of the wisdom and the revelation of God on a situation. And so in that the gift of prophecy has been in operation throughout the history of God's people from the earliest of time. Even in Genesis, you'll see several occasions where prophecy was come forth. And you'll find it several times in the book of Genesis. For instance, in the case of Isaac blessing Jacob. I love this one because uh, Jacob had impersonated his, his, his big bro, Esau, and, and basically... Uh, pretty much fooled his father, Isaac, to think that um, he was Esau because Isaac was blind. He couldn't see well, and therefore he impersonated his brother. Why? Because he wanted the firstborn blessing. But it was actually, even prophetically spoken in the womb, that, that the two of them would wrestle each other and that the older would serve the younger. So it was already pre-planned, and in that, uh, uh, Jacob was going after it. And so uh, his father, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, gave him the firstborn blessing. And it was so powerful, and he, he, spoke, he spoke the blessing over him, and it was inspired prophetically through the Spirit, because a firstborn blessing to a Jew is a big deal. And to get the firstborn blessing, you were to get double portion of everything. You were to get a double portion really for the one purpose, in, and that is to really to take care of the whole household, take care of the whole family with a double portion, and, and to look out after the affairs of the family. So uh, Jacob got an incredible blessing from his father. 
And then all of a sudden Esau, he comes and he's got the, he killed the game and he, he made his favorite soup and he was ready. Dad, give me my blessing. He's like, I, I can't do that. What do you mean you can't do that? I've already have blessed you. That wasn't me, Dad. I've already given the prophetic blessing to your brother. I, and it, you know what it says in the scripture? It says that he violently shook. And the reason that he violently shook is because the prophetic blessing is irrevocable. Once he spoke it forth, it was done. And his, I mean, Esau got a blessing, but it wasn't like his brother's blessing. So in that, it was a powerful. So when, when Isaac spoke prophetically, and he didn't understand exactly all that he was saying, but he spoke prophetically. Um, once it was established, it could not be reversed. And that is the power of the prophetic blessing that, that comes upon an individual. And you'll see it throughout even Scripture too, uh, when, uh, when Jacob... Um, well, I don't. I, it gets. It, Joseph brings his two sons, Manasseh and Ephraim, and he puts he puts the oldest to the right hand because the right hand is to receive the firstborn blessing, and um, and in that um, when uh, when Jacob went before him, he he did this, being inspired by the Holy Spirit, he put the firstborn blessing on the secondborn, and in that um, it was a pro- prophetic picture of what was unfolding, but it was an inspired by the Holy And he said, no, no, Dad, you don't know what you're doing. He said, no, son, I know what I'm doing. Boom. And firstborn blessing went to the secondborn, just like it did with um, uh, Esau and Jacob. So, um, so we'll see through prophecy, a believer can be a channel of the counsel of God, of the purposes of God, given forth in words that proceed from God and not from the believer. So this is a very anointed, inspired word from God that's given supernaturally by the Holy Spirit to another person. So in the New Testament, we'll we'll see how uh, the gift of prophecy is exercised. But the prophecy... It says in the word that we should all desire it. Paul says you all should desire it and want it. it. It's not something that just because maybe you can't figure it out, go for it because I'm telling you it's a blessing. So he says in 1 Corinthians 14, 1, pursue love yet desire earnestly spiritual gifts but especially that you may prophesy. He's saying all of us. This isn't just Matthew. This isn't just Tony, Kristen. It's all of us. And that we all might have the purpose of prophesying. And then in verse 3, he says, but the one who prophesies speaks to, the, speaks to men for edification and exhortation and consolation. So really, let me just say it this way. 
If somebody ever gives you a prophetic word, if it doesn't edify you, exhort you, comfort you, console you, don't receive it. So the one who prophesies speaks on God's behalf to men. And the end purpose is stated in three words, edification, exhortation, and consolation. So you may say, in a little more contemporary way, let's just say, you can say that prophecy is to build up, is to stir up, and is to cheer up. It's to make you happy. So definitely the gift of prophecy is not given, it's not given to produce authoritative leaders. Because Unfortunately, what has happened in the body is that there's been somewhat of spiritual abuse with prophecy, and people have gotten hurt through it. And that's why there, there's not to be this spiritual elite in the body of Christ, and, and, and we elevate certain people over other people, and then when they prophesy, and maybe it's not fully from the Lord and you get hurt, and you get offended, and next thing you know, you pull away from the church. So we've got to realize the, the gift is not about elevating anybody. I think the older I get, the lower I should go. Because he said, low, I'm with you always. So I'm going to go low. I want him with me. <laughs> Someone said the other day, said, so why, why don't you just fly down to, you know, this, I was thinking about going to this one place for a conference. Why don't you just, oh, I don't want to fly, because Jesus said, lo, I'm with you always. <laughs> Not high, so. So for this reason, the Scripture states very clearly that all prophetic utterances are to be subject to judgment. As an example, 1 Corinthians 14, 29 let two or three prophets speak and let the others pass judgment. It's important to see that normally, though not invariably, in the New Testament, prophets operated together. It, it's, it's kind of what people have called in the past a presbytery, where you have two or three prophets that come together and they prophesy over a church, the word of the Lord. Well, two or three but it's saying that even in those two and three, there ought to be prophets in our midst that are judging what's being said to determine if it witnesses to you and if, if it's from the Lord. And, and, and in that, um, when it is the Lord, your spirit will eventually embrace it as a word for you. But you need to, you, I, I give you, the Holy Spirit's given you permission to judge it, to measure it, to weigh it. And, and we got to think that everything that a prophet says is not always a word for you. It might, might not be, and it's okay if it's not. But we've got to get rid of all of these disclaimers, and we got to realize that we all have an opportunity to judge and measure the word given to us and see if it bears witness. So, um, so we don't want, um, 
Also, Paul says that let two or three prophets speak and let the other prophets pass judgment. Let them determine on behalf of the body whether these utterances really are from God and should we give heed to them. So reality is, is that it, we're, there's, I, I, you know what I like this? There's some checks and balances going on here. You know, checks and balances going on to make sure that everything that is said is judged and we're measuring it or weighing it. Is it you, Lord? And then we can determine whether we should receive it or not. Another amazing aspect of the gift of prophecy, all believers, um, is that all believers, I want you all to say, all believers, have the ability to prophesy. All right, let's read it. 1 Corinthians 14, 31. For you can all prophesy one by one. So this isn't just for those seasoned individuals that, you know, got their badge, got their T-shirt. It's, it is for everybody. So the Scriptures, as is concerning in the Scriptures... It's perfectly possible for all believers to prophesy, even children. Even children. You know, I remember, um, <laughs> I remember uh, Eliza was sitting down with Amy, our, our oldest daughter, and, um, and, um, and she was having a little uh, tea party with her. She was sitting there and having the tea party, and, um, and she was talking to her, and Amy said to Eliza um, something to the effect that um, uh, uh, it was their posture. And, and, um, and Eliza said, well, we got to keep our posture up straight. You know, we got to drink our tea prop- the proper way. And, um, and, and Amy says, well, Mom, I know why that, you know, you're not sitting up straight. It's because you have a baby in your, butt, in your tummy. And Eliza said, she knew she wasn't pregnant. And, uh, and then all of a sudden, um, she said, no, God showed me that there's a baby in your tummy. And it's a girl. And she said, oh, okay, well, that's nice. You know, just like, <laughs> you know. And, and lo and behold, the next week, guess who found out she was pregnant with a baby girl? <laughs> she didn't even know she was pregnant. She said, God told me you have a baby in your tummy, and it's a girl. So children can prophesy. Children can speak forth the word of the Lord. So, um, so it says here that you may all prophesy one by one so that all may learn and all may be exhorted. So it doesn't mean that, and it doesn't mean that the first time a person tries to prophesy, he's going to prophesy like Elijah uh, or Isaiah and Jeremiah. I mean, you're not going to be like hitting it like a zinger, you know, like Isaiah right out of the box. But, but, and don't be timid in it, but keep trying and learning and growing one by one. One by one. This is to be a classroom where we're to operate one by one and, and, and minister to each other. And, and, you know, sometimes, you know, it's quite appropriate to say, if you feel like you have a prophecy, I feel like I have a, a word for you. Um, 
Is it okay if I share it with you? You know, and the person might say, you know what, I'm not ready for it. <laughs> you know, it's okay. Don't have to give it. But the reality is, is that, you know, you're, you're making room for the Lord to minister in that situation. But we're not to be timid. So 1 Corinthians 14, 32, it also says the spirit of the prophets are subject to the prophets. What does that mean? Well, it's very important. When a person is operating in the Holy Spirit, he's always in control of himself. So a person who does something foolish and out of place doesn't get it just right, he can't blame it on the Holy Spirit and say, well, the Holy Spirit made me do it. Well, that's out of line with Scripture because the Holy Spirit never makes a believer do something that he shouldn't do. And the Apostle Peter said, the Holy Spirit, he said, the Holy Spirit bade me, or he told me to, uh, to go to the, um, to the churches. And in that, he didn't say that the Holy Spirit made me go. He said, the Holy Spirit bade me go, told me to go. Didn't make me. He just said, go, told me to. So we see that the two ultimate, so, and really, the whole, re, the purpose of that is that God is not a God of confusion. God is not a God of confusion, and, but a peace in all the churches of the saints. So we see the two ultimate objectives of Paul in these directions are, first of all, edification, building us up, and also that there's order. Order. So again, in 1 Thessalonians 5, 19 through 20, Paul says this, Do not quench the Spirit, and do not despise prophetic utterances, but examine everything carefully. Hold fast to that which is good. So Paul is really guarding against two mistakes in the body of Christ. The first is to not despise prophetic utterances and reject them altogether just because you don't understand them. Don't despise them. Don't reject them just because you can't figure it out and, and find out, you know, where is that in the Webster's Dictionary? It is a supernatural impartation of a gift that's being given. So he says, don't reject it. And the second is just believing all that is being said is not what the Lord has for you. He says, examine it. Examine it. Look at it carefully. You know, look, when you examine it like something under a microscope, you get down and you look at the fine details of it. You know, you can look at a, a little germ or whatever. Examine it, look at it, and make sure that it witnesses to your heart that it's edifying, that it's building you up. And, and, and the good things is, is that when a prophetic utterance comes, when you examine it carefully, you're holding fast to that which is good. And so, in essence, you're, you're being given permission. You don't have to take everything hook, line, and sinker. Just receive it, examine it, measure it, and let God confirm it in your heart. So you don't have to receive everything spoken. That's how people get hurt and offended. When people are receiving things that, wow, that's a hard word. 
And in that, it, it just begins to, you know, fester on the inside of you. So you don't have to receive everything said as if it were God. You know, as I said, that a, a prophetic utterance or an unknown uh, tongue or language, and then there's the interpretation is also the form of prophecy. It's, it's an expression also of prophecy. And I'll never forget it. I was in, I was in a, a, a Presbyterian church in Wilmington, North Carolina, a very large Presbyterian church. It was a church that embraced the full counsel of God, the Spirit of God. And so that was all new to me. And so it was on an Easter Sunday, and the, the church was packed. You know, there's a thousand people in the, in the sanctuary. And in the middle of the service, uh, after worship, somebody stood up and gave a, an utterance of an unknown tongue. It was the first time I've ever heard it in my life. And I'm like, I'm going to tell you that when somebody gives an unknown tongue, guess what happens if you're sitting in that pew and you're, tr- you're falling asleep, you're not engaged, you're not, you're not with it. You could care less about being there. You're more concerned about going to lunch. Guess what happens when an unknown tongue stands up and is is given in a church? It arrests your attention. It's like, whoa, God is in the house. And then all of a sudden, another person gives up and gives the interpretation. And it was the most beautiful, comforting word. And my heart was like, I needed to hear that. And I was so encouraged, and I was so edified, and I was so mesmerized. I'm like, what just happened? I mean, I was just falling asleep in the chair, and next thing you know, I'm arrested, my attention, and the word comes, and all of a sudden, then then the interpretation in the English language comes, and I was like, wow. I was so encouraged. I remember I had, to, I had to get the recording of it because it was just so beautiful what was said. And, the, and also, too, the presence of the Lord was so heavy in that moment. And my spirit witnessed to it, and I was like, the peace of the Lord Jesus Christ was there so that I could receive it, embrace it, and know that that was a life-giving word for me. If it was just for me, I, I got blessed. So, so it's okay that a spoken word, that you give it time to witness to your spirit. Give it time to be confirmed in your heart. So you don't have to receive everything spoken. So I've also said that prophecy needs to be judged. So how are we to judge it? I want to give you just three simple little ideas of how to judge a word. First of all, does the prophecy agree with Scripture? The Holy Spirit is the author of the Scripture, and the Holy Spirit never contradicts Himself. So, the Holy Spirit will never say through a prophecy something that is contradictory to Scripture. If it doesn't align with the Word of God, then there's a good chance it's not fully from the Lord. The second test is this. 
Does the prophecy uplift Jesus Christ? The primary ministry of the Holy Spirit in the church is to reveal, magnify, and uplift the name of Jesus. The Holy Spirit is here to magnify Jesus. And anything that does not uplift Jesus Christ is not from the Holy Spirit. Revelation 19.10 tells us this specifically. The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Isn't that amazing? That the testimony of who Jesus is and was and is to come is of prophecy. It's speaking forth that which is to come. So all true prophecy centers on the person of Jesus because he is of the spirit of prophecy. And the third test is, does the prophecy edify God's people? We need to remember that the one primary purpose is edification. And um, is it building you up on the inside? And if the prophecy doesn't build up and doesn't strengthen you, encourage you, edify you, there's no reason to believe that it's from the Holy Spirit. So, the good news is that the Holy Spirit has put parameters within the church to exercise in the gifts, but to judge, to weigh, to discern, to measure, to see if it is a life-giving word for you. And it's okay to give time. You know, it's just because you get the word. If you don't believe it at the moment it was given... It doesn't mean you're not going to receive it. A word spoken that is of the Lord, it will fulfill its purpose. It will come forth. If it's spoken in faith, received in faith, that word, will. you're not going to miss it. It's not like the word just passed you by. Oh, I got to go get that one. Um, it is a word that's life-giving, and it's a word from the Lord, and it will produce... Um, fruit in your life and be a blessing when you receive it by faith if it's from the Lord. So, these are the three vocal gifts that are of the nine gifts that were spoken. And, and I believe that these are gifts that are are I want to give you permission to allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you about these gifts. And, and there should be, it's, I hope that your assault tablet's being put inside your mouth where you're beginning to thirst of the things of the Spirit. You know, Paul said, uh, David said, as a, as a deer pants for the water brook, so my soul pants for you, O God. We must earnestly desire prophecy and I know that there's some here that are gifted with prophecy, and God wants you to be encouraged. You need to keep operating in the gift of prophecy. Just because of experiences, you don't need to just keep it on the shelf. It is a beautiful gift, and it must be something that we really all desire. And we must do it one-to-one, -one, and we must be able to encourage one another 
and to grow in the gift. And I'm excited because I believe in this series of the gifts. And if you, if you didn't get last week's, I want you to go back and listen to it. Um, that is on the, gift, the gifts of power. But these are gifts to be for this body. And, um, and also the gifts are used for the lost. And I have actually been, you know, on the street before, and I got a word of prophecy, a word of knowledge on somebody, and I would say it, and I, it would read their mail, and then they would come to know Jesus and embrace Him as Lord and Savior. So the gifts are used for the body, but they're also used for the lost abroad. So, amen? Good. All right, let's all stand. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you are the gift giver. And we thank you that you give gifts unto men. And when Jesus ascended on high, he gave gifts. And Lord Jesus, we thank you for the gifts of the Spirit, the nine gifts that are for the body and for unbelievers. And God, I ask that today that there would be a stirring and awakening in people's hearts that, Father, they would earnestly desire to step out in the gifts, especially to prophesy. And Lord, I thank you and I praise you and Lord, I ask if there be anyone here that actually has stepped out, used gifts, or even been the recipient of gifts and was hurt, or if there was an offense or a misunderstanding, Lord Jesus, I'm asking now that you would remove the stumbling block. I'm asking, Lord, that you would bring healing to everyone's heart here that has stepped out in gifts and it didn't go that well. Lord, I thank you that a gift is a gift. And that, Lord, it's, it's something to be treasured. And I ask, Holy Spirit, that you would release the gifts in this church. I'm asking, Holy Spirit, that you would give gifts unto men and let this church be built up in our most holy faith. And Lord, I thank you and I praise you that there's going to be fruit. This church is going to bear fruit with the gifts that are being exercised. And so, Lord, we praise you and we thank you for all the gifts. And I'm asking now, Lord Jesus, that there would be seeds planted in everyone's heart here that are gifts. And I thank you, Lord, that the seed is going to go into fertile ground and is going to be watered by your Spirit and is going to bring forth a harvest. And I thank you for that, Lord Jesus. And I praise you for everyone here. And I thank you, Lord Jesus, that this church will grow and mature in the fullness of who you are. And I bless each and every one in the name of Jesus. 
Amen. Amen. I, uh, I want to encourage you, if, if, if any of you need prayer, you know, there's, there's three things that we, we all need. We all need to be encouraged. We need to be edified. And we need to be comforted. And so, if you need some encouragement, comfort, if there's something you're working through that you just need prayer, I want you just to come forward because we're to be life-giving to each other, edifying each other. And if you need prayer, I want you to come forward. If I could have some of the prayer team come on up, you could just come on up here. And, um, and you know, I have to say that a lot of times when you make yourself available and be vulnerable and open, it's when God shows up. When somebody steps out in faith and says, Lord, I, I just need some encouragement. You're giving God the opportunity to move on your behalf. But some of you got to take the first step. Get out of the chair. Say, I need some prayer. I need help. So, Lord, I ask that you would just move upon this church. And if anyone here needs encouragement, support, in prayer, I'm asking, Lord, that you'd lead them. And I thank you for that in Jesus' name. And, Lord, I pray you bless and keep each and every one. God, I just pray today that, that Father, you would make your face shine upon each and every one and be gracious to them. I'm asking, God, for favor that opens doors would rest upon everyone here. And that, Lord, you would lift up your countenance because you really are in a good mood. And that you would give us shalom peace. And Lord, we pray for the peace of Jerusalem today. And we ask, Lord Jesus, that, that Jerusalem would be a place of praise unto you. And God, we thank you for the peace that you want to bring to the land. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen.